What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. Today is Tuesday, January 18th, 2022, and we are talking about a couple of things that I think, that I think, regarding the Miami Dolphins 2022 NFL offseason, a critical juncture for Miami to get a couple of things right or else risk the rebuild that they've been undertaking for the last several years, having to go back to square one. So what do I think I think? I'm glad you asked. We're getting into it today here on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And today, as we await major traction towards Miami's ultimate question right now, which is who is going to be the head coach of this football team. Uh, And remember, that is going to carry a significant amount of weight as far as what direction the Dolphins ultimately go this offseason. So as we await that, we're going to explore a couple of things that I personally believe would benefit the team, regardless of who ultimately takes control of the coaching and the ideologies on both sides of the football. So uh, kind of an interesting melting pot of projection with personal flavor all in one show. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. And uh, today on the show, let's go ahead and start with uh, the pick with the San Francisco 49ers and what needs to be done with that pick. Because obviously, uh, NFL draft pick watch uh, was anticlimactic this past weekend. San Francisco beating Dallas. Dallas getting down inside the 30-yard line before running out of time while trying to clock the ball down six points. A touchdown would have won them the game. Uh, Dallas played like crap. 14 penalties tied for the most in the the history of the franchise. Uh, Didn't do themselves any favors against San Francisco and in the process spurned the Dolphins. I have to be honest, though. My rooting interest, of course, I want Miami to have as high of a pick as possible. My my true rooting interests in seeing that pick fall as high as possible and as close to Miami's original pick as possible, quite frankly, just as much in wanting Miami to have as good of a pick as possible was just as much rooted in hoping that we could put that narrative to bed, that that was a bad move by the Miami Dolphins, because if they did trade, San Francisco's pick and kept their own, they would have been panned for not betting on themselves in the first place. And Miami did their part. They finished the season one game worse than San Francisco, despite starting one and seven. The bet that they made on themselves was good process. Results didn't necessarily work out, but this pick was San Francisco now. I think this is one of the core things that I've... I found found myself believing over the course of the past week or so and reflecting on what Miami has to do this offseason. I don't believe it is in Miami's best interests to use that draft pick to draft a rookie player. That's a personal opinion of mine. And I don't know specifically who's going to be available. It's been rumored that Calvin Ridley would be available and 
If you can get comfortable with whatever personal reasons he needed to step away from the game, that would make some sense. He's an early separator. He went to Alabama, really refined route runner. All things that would complement what Tua Tagovailoa does at the quarterback position quite well. But that doesn't, it doesn't have to be Calvin Ridley. But if I'm just being honest, and you look at how different teams across the league uh, choose to build their rosters, there's no shortage of ideologies. Look at the Los Angeles Rams. They haven't invested a first-round pick in an actual rookie in like seven years. And they don't need to. They would say, we would rather take our premier assets and invest them into established premier NFL players. And if you're going to run this back with Tua Tungvaloa, if he's going to be your starting quarterback next year, then in my opinion, you should be doing your due diligence with every established NFL player that might be available on the offensive side of the ball and find one that makes sense for what you want to do and bring that player in. Because if you really, truly want to build around Tua for 2022 and then say, oh, well, if it doesn't work, we'll get a new quarterback in 2023. If that's the mentality that you want to have as a team, then you better damn well be sure that pick is a hit. And what better way to make sure it's a hit than to find a player that has established themselves in the NFL as a successful player and bring them into the fray. You have the cap space. There's going to be no contract in the world that you could acquire that would be problematic for you to handle, especially for a non-quarterback. You have $75 million in cap space and create another $11 million with a snap of the fingers. Offensive lineman, maybe. I'm not trading a one for a running back. But an offensive lineman or a wide receiver, yeah. If you if you want to look yourself in the eyes as, as Chris Greer and the Dolphins and say you honestly put the best supporting cast you could around your young quarterback, investing that pick in an established NFL player for me personally is a must. Uh, and it's it's a sign of the Dolphins entering into a different chapter of their life cycle. And I know I've referenced this over the course of the past couple of weeks on the podcast and referring to player and team evaluation. But the Dolphins are at a point now where they're trying to transition into a contender. And the young players on rookie contracts were really appealing to stock up the foundation of this team. And that exists. It's lopsided. There's much more of it on the offense or on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball. But that foundation exists. And now it's your job to aggressively attack the weak points and understand that a rookie player on a rookie deal in the 20s is not going to have as much value to you as a franchise, especially if it's going to directly contribute to you coming to a firm and confident conclusion in what you have at the quarterback position. It's a big bet to take to bet on another rookie. Conveniently enough, uh, we've got to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is wishing you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online is the number one spot for all the sports wagering action in 2022. A new year with a new updated desktop and mobile website. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON. Football, basketball, hoxie, boxy, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. 
Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. That is not the only thing that I think that I think for the Miami Dolphins this offseason, especially on the offensive side of the football. Put out a mock draft on, on Monday for over at thedraftnetwork.com, and in that mock draft, I gave the Dolphins an offensive lineman. Uh, and I have um, kind of been beating the drum that if I'm Miami, uh, I wouldn't advocate for taking offensive linemen in the first round of, of the draft because you have invested a lot there and have not bore a lot of consistent fruit. Uh, but I did give them Zion Johnson, offensive lineman from Boston College, with the 26th overall pick or 25th overall pick, wherever, whichever one it was. And there were a lot of Dolphins fans who didn't like the pick for that same ideology. Dolphins can't draft offensive linemen. But if you, and again, some of this is going to be dependent upon who you bring in to be the coach of the football team. But as I look at this team, and I look at the opportunity that is ahead of them to invest and build around Tua. Yes, another wide receiver is important. But you have to have a running game next year. Period. I don't care if it's wide zone, Shanahan style. I don't care if it's gap power, running downhill between the tackles. You have to have a running game that you can rely on to stay ahead of the sticks and move the chains when you need to in certain critical game situations. You cannot run out the same pass or rushing offense that you did this year, three and a half yards per carrier, whatever they finished at, and could not run the ball to save their lives. So you need a running back, you need at least two starters on the offensive line, and you damn well better take it seriously. Because again, if you're going to evaluate Tua in that environment, you have to give him the opportunity to succeed. And whether or not he takes advantage of those opportunities is ultimately going to be up to him. The work that he puts in, the improvements that he has this offseason, I do think he was a notably better player than what he was in 2020. I will give him that. There were some frustrating lapses. Uh, obviously, the Tennessee game was a disaster. Uh, the last four games of the season were some of his worst efforts on the year. You don't like that trajectory, but player development is not always linear. And that's why I think it's important if you're going to build a team to say, hey, we drafted you at number five overall to be the starting quarterback of this team. I don't think anybody envisioned that he was going to be a game manager. But the reminder is, and I said this when I went on the Dolphins pregame show with Channing Crowder a couple weeks ago, 90% of starting quarterbacks in the NFL, so like 27 to 29 of them, are scheme-specific starters that have their own unique individual physical and mental limitations. Two is not exempt from that. You would have liked to have thought with the player that you were drafting at number five overall, he would showcase the ability to be exempt from that and to be a top-tier quarterback. He's not a top-tier quarterback right now, and he doesn't have to be a top-tier quarterback. It's disappointing that he's not? Sure. 
I don't think anything that he's shown is going to lead you to think he's ever going to be one of the top five to eight quarterbacks in the NFL. But he doesn't have to be. In the grand scheme of things, it's not ideal. It's not what anybody hoped for. But he doesn't have to be because you know, those guys are rare. But if he's going to play in, a, in an environment that is conducive to winning, even amidst his own shortcomings and need for development in certain areas, you have to have a more well-rounded group. So, yes, I want another starting wide receiver on the outside. I want to figure out what's going on with the tight end position. But you have to be able to run the ball. So that was the reason why I gave him Zion Johnson, because they came out over the weekend and said, we believe Tua Tungvalu is going to be the starting quarterback next year. I'm not saying anything groundbreaking, but the fact that they came out and they said it out loud indirectly through some of the prominent media channels, that to me is the reaffirmment that like, okay, yeah, we need to upgrade the passing skill players as well. But if we're going to do this thing for real, then let's go ahead and do it for real. And let's get the running game in a position where it's not an embarrassment. It's reliable. It's going to give you 4.2 yards per carry. So you're going to need probably two backs, and you're going to need probably two or three starting offensive linemen. Where they come from, you know, you want to leave Liam Eikenberg a tackle and upgrade left guard and then go get a right tackle, and you want to go two that way. You want to take a best player available if Tyler Linderbaum's there and bump Michael Dieter off the center spot and maybe he moves to guard or maybe you sign somebody else in free agents. There's no shortage of ways that you can do it. But if you told me that between the starting five and the running back in the backfield, plus or minus three and a half new starters, I'm taking the over. And because of that, you start doing the math and you look at the guards that are available just in free agency as an example. You've got Brandon Scherf that's available, but he's probably going to cost $18 million a season. I don't know that I want to pay $18 million a season to Brandon Scherf, who, by the way, played 61% of the snaps this year. He's been on the sa- the salary cap or on the franchise tag each of the last two years, literally over $18 million. He's going to be 31 years old next year. I don't think I want to spend that. So if you don't want to spend that, and again, we're looking for a left guard. You got Andrew Norwell set to hit free agency. Lakin Tomlinson. Quentin Spain. And I'm just looking at guys that have played a high volume of snaps. Connor Williams. Michael Schofield. Matt Skura. Chris Reed, who was here and then left. Like That's it for left guards. So, and even even if you look at right card, it's Alex Kappa, James Daniels, Brandon Scherf, Austin Corbett. Corbett might make some sense if you go with the Shanahan-style system. Uh, that, that wide zone system might make some sense. Trey Turner, perhaps, with Pittsburgh, if you want to be more gap power. And those guys aren't going to be break-the-bank type guys. But if you're signing a right guard, what are you doing with Robert Hunt? Are you kicking him back out the tent? Like, there's a lot of questions that you have to ask. But as I survey the the offensive line availability, I like your opportunities to sign tackles better than what I like to sign interior guys because the one guy everybody's going to point to is Brandon Scherf, and he's going to be $18 million. Now, you want to get nailed down Kappa or Daniels, and you want to bank on those guys. 
that's a different story. But again, their position they played is the same position Robert Hunt played. You want to look at the center position? I mean, Ryan Jensen's going to get paid big time. But even beyond that, it's not a, an overly impressive group of players. You've only got a handful of guys that started more than 70% of their snaps. Ted Karras, who was just here and left. Brian Allen with the Rams. Billy Price with the Giants. Hasn't been good. Bradley Bozeman with the Ravens. Ben Jones in Tennessee. And Sam Mustafer, who's a restricted free agent. You're not getting a lot of options there. So that was why for that mock iteration between what was said publicly about what the Dolphins' intent is, to build around Tua Tagovailoa, and starting to survey this free agent class, yeah, I did come back with a guard because I like your options to sign tackles better in free agency. Whether it's you know, a, a well-established guy uh, who has dealt with some injury-type stuff like a Riley Reef. Um, you want to go with a younger guy who maybe can compete with somebody else like a Chukwuma Okorafor from Pittsburgh. You want to sign Trent Brown to a big dollar contract out of New England? That This is just right tackle, mind you. Morgan Moses played 94% of the snaps this year uh, for the New York Jets. He's been okay. Brandon Shell with the Seattle Seahawks. These are all better options than Jesse Davis, I could tell you that. And then you go to the left side, and you got Orlando Brown Jr., 26 years old. Might be a fit depending on the offensive system. Dwayne Brown in Seattle, older guy, would cost a pretty penny, uh, but could be a bridge gap if you end up striking out on the likes of Teron Armstead, uh, who's a player who's probably going to come in $20 million per, but he's a guy who's had some, some injury issues of his own. More options at tackle. Because of that, yeah, I drafted Zion Johnson from Boston College. Did I love it? No. But their interior guys that they have drafted with the intent of playing on the interior, Michael Dieter and, and Robert Hunt, are probably your best two offensive linemen. So take that for what it's worth. Listen, guys, it's, uh, it's a new year, which means it's just about time for tax season. People think unusual circumstances mean un or complicated taxes, but for TurboTax Live experts, it's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherited a condo and a rent to get out. Maybe you're getting paid in crypto and aren't sure how it's taxed. For TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Luckily, TurboTax Live can match you with the right expert who has experience in your unique situation and can answer all of your tax questions right from your phone or computer. They can even take care of the whole filing process for you, whether you launched your own startup or working multiple jobs and juggling multiple incomes. An experienced TurboTax Live expert can help you during the entire filing process or do your taxes for you from start to finish to get you the tax deductions you deserve. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it, TurboTax Live. So those are the kind of the two hallmarks that I think that I think. Miami needs to spend their first round pick on an established NFL player. And if Miami is really serious about running this back with Tua Tagovailoa in 2022, you have to go get plus three and a half new starters on your offensive line and your offensive backfield combined. Those are non-negotiable for me. Um, 
one of the other exercises that I came to in, in doing the mock draft, and there was some questions from Dolphins fans, was, hey, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from Utah, was on the board, and you still pick Zion Johnson instead of him. What gives? To that I say, I'm, I can't in good conscience draft Devin Lloyd, a linebacker, until I know who is running the defense. If they choose to bring over Patrick Graham from the New York Giants, or if they choose to uh, bring over Vance Joseph, or if they choose to bring, like, it's going to determine what kind of personnel is going to be your base personnel groupings and how much they value those positions. Brian Flores' defense has a much larger role for a three-down thumper, 240-pound linebacker than a lot of other defenses that rely more on even fronts with four-man down and play a lot of nickel defense. And Miami played a nickel a fair amount too, but Elan and Roberts still had a very prominent role to play in certain personnel groupings. And if that's not going to be the true DNA of what this defense looks like, they're probably not going to covet it that particularly high. And if they're not going to cover it that particularly high, I could not in good conscience bring myself to spend that first round pick in that mock draft exercise on that position. And you look at some of the linebackers that are available in free agency too. There's a bunch of players I would rather try my luck with over Elan and Roberts, who played 55% of the snaps and made just short of $2 million this year. Or you could even get into later the middle rounds of the draft and draft a guy like Chad Muma out of Wyoming or Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati, depending on what, where they're available. But I, I look at Jayon Brown in Tennessee, making $4.5 um, I think he'd be a, a great addition. Uh, Anthony Walker Jr. with the Cleveland Browns making $3 million this year. He's played 63% of the snaps. Physical between the tackles guy. Leighton Vander Esch, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he's an expiring contract. Played Mike, sideline to sideline speed. Just didn't struggle with durability. Like, plenty of options here. And if Miami wants to invest that premium asset elsewhere, either via an offensive lineman like I did in the mock draft exercise, because we still, again, don't know who the offensive or who the coach is going to be and who's running the offense and what ideologies we're applying, or if they want to actually use it to trade for an NFL player, then go get one of these guys or go draft one in the third or fourth round, knowing full well this guy's ceiling is going to play 50, 55% of your snaps. So I'm closing the book for the time being on Devin Lloyd as a Dolphins draft target in the first round, because I have to know that the defense is going to be run by somebody who would covet that skill set enough to draft him in that range. I hope that makes sense. Uh, so those, those are some kind of early season pillars for me this off season, uh, applying my own beliefs uh, amidst trying to project what I'd like to see Miami do. And we'll see how that foils with who they end up hiring and if that's going to be complimentary or not. But this is going to be another one of those off seasons. I don't have clear and obvious players that I think at this point in time are the answer for Miami. Now, when we went back and you, you go back and you listen to the 2020 pre-draft buildup, I spent some shows advocating for Tua Tungvaloa. I spent some shows advocating for Justin Herbert. And the end, end of the day, I said, I'm going to trust them with whatever decision they make because they've shown from a player development standpoint, they're pretty good at that. Well, little did we know that 
you know, the entire hierarchy of the team was going to cannibalize themselves from the inside out. And this thing was going to get so toxic so quickly because somebody didn't like what they were seeing from the, the quarterback that they did end up choosing. Whoops. You just don't know. Um, this is not going to be 2021 where Jalen Waddle is very clearly the best wide receiver option for this team. And if you look at the guys who played college football in 2020, Jalen Phillips had the best defensive tape out of any, any player in the country. I mean, those were things that were said on this podcast. Miami went out and got them both. It was a high point for me from a draft person covering a team to see the guys that you pound on the table for actually get drafted by the team and then go on to have success. It's really cool. Uh, but this is going to be more exploratory. There's going to be a lot of scenarios that are presented on this podcast. Uh, but I thought it was important for me to kind of state my claim and put my flag in the ground in certain areas uh, so that you guys knew where my heart was uh, as we start this process. And I'm kind of in a holding pattern with a lot of this until we figure out who's running the team. And hopefully we get that answer sooner rather than later. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on Locked on Dolphins on Tuesday. Kyle Krabs, thanks as always for listening. Make it a good one and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.